Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today we're talking about using AI for better patient care coordination and dissecting some of the hype around AI with Christine Spraker and Aki Alzubaidi, co-CEOs of Eon Health, a Denver-based healthcare technology firm. Christine, Aki, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. So before we uh, really dive in, I, I want to make sure I understand uh, what Eon Health does, what, what some of the flagship products are and, and how that works. We are, a, a, like you said, a technology-based company that's really focused on changing uh, the way complex patients are managed. So we focus on identifying patients that are at risk for disease, but that typically fall through the cracks. And then what we do is we, after we identify them, we register them so that uh, and somebody in the hospital is made aware of them and can then track them through the progress and through their care to make sure that they don't slip through the cracks. And just to add on to that, I think that, you know, if you can think of, you know, you go to the doctor, the ER, and they run a lot of tests. And some of those tests may just be abnormal. And, and abnormal is something that means that it's, it's, it's uh, outside of uh, a normal test range or it's an abnormality that may actually be something that needs to be followed up on, or it may be something that doesn't need to be followed up on. It may end up being a disease state that, that uh, uh, could become something or it may not. And so what we really do is we help hospitals segment out those abnormal findings and ensure that those patients receive the appropriate follow-up uh, to optimize those patients' care. So that's interesting because it, it definitely, we know that in the age of electronic medical records, a lot of this information is, is now more readily available, but the problem still exists that a lot of this information doesn't talk to each other, so to speak. So the ability to, to have this, um, have this technology, I mean, how, how are you seeing this make a difference? So we believe that uh, hospitals are plagued with antiquated systems and technologies, and they're not effectively harnessing the power of data to improve patient care and streamline workflow. And so you hear a lot of companies that are saying that they're uh, revolutionizing the way that healthcare data is gathered, uh, but we believe that they're actually not implementing uh, many of those promises. And so what that really means is, is that Here's a system, and we, we had a customer actually tell us this, where the old way is, is that here's a data repository that's a silo, and then you have a software system, which they say is technologically advanced. And then what it does is it just moves it from one repository to the next repository without the ability to remove the silo or have any aggregation or insight into the actual data that would lend itself to any patient impact. And so really what we're trying to do is remove the silos. And we think the new way is, is taking all the data out of a repository and bringing it into one centralized place where you can really start to uh, effectively deliver on the promise of removing the silos. I have a, you know, I'm a physician and I have patients who go to a hospital that's across the street, but a different system. They have a CT scan there. They come see me in my office and I can't see the CT scan or the result. And it's just frustrating because that's a, 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 ta- a point where you could actually make an action face-to-face with that patient. And so that's really what we're trying to do is just remove all the silos. 
Yep. And, and to just add on to that, Aki, our signature software solution, which is Eon Direct, it's a cloud-based platform. And what it does is it interfaces with hospitals, existing EMR, and their database. And it allows for uh, us to deliver meaningful, actionable data with an easy-to-use dashboard. And this results in diagnostic and treatment efficiencies that improve patient care overall. It saves time and then it saves money for the hospitals. So the efficiency that's that's needed to be able to evaluate all this data, that lends itself to the need for AI. So what are some of the challenges that you see in this age where it seems like everything is AI? Absolutely. A lot of AI companies are solving problems that just aren't problems. And so that's number one, right, is, is, is that I think that a lot of the efforts and 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 time is being put into, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Like there's a lot of effort. There was actually a Kaggle competition uh, for computer-aided detection of pulmonary nodules. And there was a million dollars that was, you know, to the winner of that Kaggle competition. But the, pro- but, but the reality is, is that radiologists don't have a problem in terms of detection of pulmonary nodules. However, here's all this effort in terms of what was termed AI to try to solve this problem. It's not really a problem. Instead, you talked about it. You said efficiencies. How do you, here is a, uh, a person in the hospital who's tasked with managing a patient's coordination. And maybe they're spending three to five hours per patient per year in coordination of that patient's management. And what you should do is we should use technology like you know machine automation uh, to take that time from three to five hours down to either zero minutes or five to 10 minutes. And that's what we've effectively done is focusing on bringing value to see what, what, what are hospitals spending a lot of time on and how can we decrease the amount of time and repetitive behavior that humans are doing and allowing a machine to be smart enough to automate that repetitive behavior that humans are doing. So we see all the time with our customers, there there are these advanced providers, whether they're nurse practitioners or physicians, and they're spending so much time on manual data entry, and they're entering all of these tasks, and they have this administrative burden that they just really can't get away from. And so when you use technology to increase and optimize their workflows, that's where you start to see the efficiencies occur. You have a, a complex patient. I have complex patients in which I should be spending that time on. But instead, as a provider, you know, I'm, I'm spending time on administrative burden instead of actually managing the patient. Right. And that's, that's a great point right there, that all of the data that's involved with a individual patient, uh, let alone thousands of patients across an entire practice or hospital or all of those people have immense amount of data that not only needs to be somewhere, I guess, centrally, but also uh, needs to be accessible for at, at the ready. And so that's what you're saying is that the ability to, to have all this is largely dependent on manual data entry. And that's not the smartest way to use our medical medical professionals, right? Absolutely. And not just that, right? There's there's an immense amount of data that's associated with most, you know, every single patient. But, th- but patient A may be a patient who's a very low risk patient in which the repetitive behavior to manage that patient and the human uh, resource drain to manage that patient should be very low, right? And there may be another patient whose patient B has the same amount of data as patient A. However, they're a high risk patient 
And that's where the humans should really spend their time and resources on. However, it's oftentimes flipped because patient A and patient B, they both have the same amount of administrative burden that's placed on the people who are actually managing the patients. Because for patient A, you need to click on this that says that you met this particular criteria, you did this, you did that, you submitted to the registry to get a claim, to get billed. And so what's happening is, is that the the, the, the humans are spending a lot of time on patient A low risk or the same amount of time as patient B. And so what we're really trying to do with, you know, deep learning is to segment out these patients to identify the high risk patients and put them into a bucket where we can actually focus on that complex management and then say, hey, this is a segment patient that's very low risk. Let's just repeat. Let's just have repetitive behaviors. And if something flags that, hey, this low risk patient now becomes a higher risk, how do we flag that out to the humans to spend time on it? That's really how we're approaching this. So basically putting people in the right lane. So letting AI do what it does best, which is, you know, complex data sets and letting humans do what they do best, which is patient management. Uh, you said, um, Christine, we're, we're chatting before our interview today, and you mentioned that, you know, until AI gets better than or, you know, until a machine is better than a doctor, there's a very real need for this, right? Right. Well, so right now, I mean, there's a lot of hype around AI and, you know, machines are going to take over the world. But the truth is what is being provided doesn't provide more clinical utility than what a human does currently. And to get to true AI, which, you know, we still believe is at least a couple years away, you need millions of data sets to be able to have the right kind of outcomes to actually train machines to be better than a human. And so I think that's part of the challenge in what healthcare technology companies are are facing right now, as well as, you know, when they say they have AI, it might be uh, machine automation or, or deep learning, but that, that's really not revolutionary that it's math that's been around for, for decades now. Yeah. And I think that the definition of AI has just been diluted. And there's, you know, there's a difference between strong AI, general AI, deep learning, machine learning. I think that those terms are just, you know, been diluted strongly with, you know, by, by marketing. But the truth is, is that to actually deliver on clinically meaningful artificial intelligence or even deep learning. It's an approach, right? It's the way that you approach the data, curating the data in a way that doesn't take extra time, doesn't cost a lot, and that you can do a large volume in terms of curating that data so that now we have these data sets that allow us to execute on actually being better than a clinician in certain use cases. And that's how I think it's going to end up you know, happening in terms of who wins the real AI race? So, Aki, you you co-founded Eon Health, but you're also a physician by trade. So you inherently see the use for for this type of um, this type of technology. Uh, I wonder how did your work in specifically interventional pulmonology, uh, which is I understand a relatively newer field of of medicine, how did that work kind of lead you to founding? Eon. Yeah. So, so if you look at it, the that that particular specialty, um, there's there's certain disease states that you see all the time. 
And one of those disease states that we see all the time is something called a pulmonary nodule. And that's when a patient gets a, a chest CT scan or a chest X-ray and there's a spot on their lung. And that may or may not be cancer. And so that needs to be diagnosed. And so in some of the cases, I was asked to help diagnose these patients. And when you look at the numbers of uh, the pulmonary nodules and lung cancer, it's just staggering. You know, 70% of pulmonary nodules are not managed per evidence-based guidelines. We use the analog all the time, Christine, about, you know, mammograms. And if a breast lump was uh, not managed per evidence-based guidelines 70% of the time, like those hospitals would be on the nightly news, right? And so really just feeling like a failure in terms of the specialty just in general, like pulmonology, right? Like we're not doing well in terms of managing pulmonary nodules and also the mortality rate in lung cancer. And for me, I think that that reality, right, there's objective evidence that we're not doing well. And then seeing that there's nobody else that is really taking the lead and saying, why not us? Right. And I think, Christine, well, it's similar for you. When I met Aki, he was practicing. He, you know, Eon was still kind of, you know, on the outset and he was seeing this problem in his clinic. He was diagnosing patients at late stage with lung cancer when there's not a chance for a curative um, procedure or, or treatment that where the, these patients could actually live a, a healthy life. And he was frustrated. And I remember he had FTEs and hanging file folders and Excel spreadsheets. And he was doing a great job for his patients and doing a great service for the community. But he really was struggling to track these patients. And so he said to me one day, and I'll never forget, he's like, I think I'm going to build an app. And I was like, you are crazy. And then that app turned into software and it turned into this company. And I mean, we talk about it all the time. It really was just to solve a problem in his clinic. But since that time, we've really realized that it's not just pulmonary nodules that are mismanaged. There's so many different abnormal findings and tests and, and diseases that may be benign, but also could turn into disease or, or, or cancer, or, you know, something that's higher acuity that needs to be tracked and followed. And so we've really expanded outside of lung for that reason so that we can help more patients and, and more providers. Yeah, Shelby. I mean, if you think about it, providers from all, all, all different specialties, I think like, you know, most doctors go into the practice of medicine uh, with the intent to help people. And so when you're in a system or an environment where it's very difficult to know whether or not your patients are being followed up on appropriately, it's difficult to sleep at night. I think, and also it's not just pulmonary nodules. It's like she, like, like, like Christine was saying, this happens to everybody. I think that everybody knows you leave the ER and you're like, you know, what am I supposed to do again? Right. And, 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 and then who takes ownership? Right. And so this was this this whole company and you know us getting into this was really out of just you know being kind of pissed and fed up and wanting to, to make things better. So as we start to close, I want to touch on more of a, a future-facing outset of some of the healthcare issues that are facing us in the next five to ten years. What do you think? What's your prediction for AI making a true positive impact on? those problems that, that we're starting to see with healthcare costs and availability for healthcare within you know rural areas. How is AI going to help that? Absolutely. And I, I, you know, it's funny you brought up costs because I was going to say, 
Number one is cost. Like healthcare costs too much. I think we spend, you know, number one in terms of any other country, at least advanced country, that uh, in terms of our healthcare cost per GDP. However, we're ranked, I think, overall number 73 or 75. I can't remember. You know, number one, you shouldn't be number 73, right? And, And we have all this technology. Think about it. We spend all this money on technology and training and having the best doctors. However, we're still ranking number 73. And if you look at the rankings in terms of what we're bad at, it's it's really kind of just staggering, right? And so what I think is going to happen in the future is that the bottom of the floor of the market is just going to be taken away. And that's because technology is so much cheaper and it's so much faster to develop. And what's happened is, is that unfortunately, I think that there's been such a markup uh, here domestically in the U.S. in terms of everything that the hospitals purchase, that it, it's just going to end up being where technology is rapidly going to decrease in terms of the cost. That's number one. And for an example, uh, the computer-aided detection, which is a radiology tool, and they say segmentation, which is artificial intelligence, you know, that's technology from the 90s, but they they market it as AI. It's it, They charge anywhere from one fifty dollars to $250,000 when that, that technology should be no more than 10000 bucks to the hospital. And so... When, when a company who comes in and, and can recreate that technology, make it non-inferior or even superior, then there's going to be this huge decrease and dramatic decrease in cost overall to the hospitals. That's number one, which I think is happening. And, and the CIOs, the uh, hospital administrators, you know, they've become better consumers, right? And so... If you look, there was a Deloitte report that I think came out probably even just four years ago, and it talked about it, it was telling industry how to combat hospital administrators becoming more savvy and sophisticated in terms of pricing. And, and that was directed at industry. And it was directed in industry. So I think that hospitals have figured it out. They're looking for technology partners. They own the data. They own the IP, right? Nobody's ever executed on extreme value to the customer. So B2C isn't there and the patients aren't going to give you the data you need yet to get to meaningful UI. So hospitals are going to pick a technology partner. And then what's going to happen is is that AI is going to be co-developed between hospitals and a technology vendor. I think I, I feel very strongly about that. You, you meant to say get to meaningful AI. Get to meaningful AI. Yes. Yep. And, and to that point, then it can be offered in those rural areas that you mentioned where people don't have a lot of access to care. Instead of, you know, having to drive in for a doctor's appointment, they can have some type of, you know, telemedicine or something like that. And then the brick and mortar hospitals will be there when they need to have the actual procedure or surgery. Think about Amazon, Shelby. Like, you know, if we're talking about B2C, I think all hospitals are worried that Amazon is going to come in and capture all these patients. And then there's going to be a vast, a, a huge decrease in terms of what is actually going to the brick and mortar hospitals. And while Amazon may eventually end up getting to, you know, they're credible and they do have, they're, they're big, they're well capitalized. Obviously, people believe in them. Could they get to B2C? Maybe, but you still need to have a brick and mortar hospital. And the hospitals, they have to decrease the amount, their operating expenses, right? It just has to happen. And so uh, I just think that there's going to end up being a marriage between uh, hospitals, a technology partner, and then whoever actually execute on the actual B2C and delivering you know, certain types of healthcare to the actual patient. And, and AI is going to spawn from you know, those three entities 
that are, are winning that particular race. Well, I definitely look forward to seeing the, the proliferation of AI getting real valuable use for for everyday consumers and making the uh, the jobs easier and the information there for the healthcare providers that, uh, that work so hard to help treat their patients. Christine, Aki, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Thank you, Shelby. Really Thanks appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. <laughs>